Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. Again, I prayed for God to intervene. I'd never been fully surrounded like this or feeling trapped by dogs. Then all of a sudden... The following story is a two-part series that contains three Advent full stories about the experiences Diana and Arnold Hooker had in the mission field. May these true stories inspire and encourage you to have a closer relationship with God. The title of the following stories are Dog Pack and Sweet Samosas. Hello, my name is Diane Hooker. My husband Arnold and I served as Adventist Frontier Mission field directors over Southeast Asia and Oceania for six years. I want to tell you a story about a time that we were in Cambodia. We were at the Penang Project in Mandokiri, Cambodia for 10 weeks. My husband was helping their building bricks for the school that they were planning to build. He had went ahead and gone to the building site, and I was leaving from the guest house, and since it was only a mile away, I decided to walk. It was a beautiful day in Cambodia, and it was about mid-morning, so, you know, nice and sunny out. Winter time there, so the cool breeze. The road is usually a red clay kind of dirt, so very easy to walk on. And this road we had driven many, many times. So I didn't feel any worries about walking all by myself. The hilly land of Mandokiri can be quite breathtaking. And this morning was no different. On either side of the road is really high grass. And there's not usually much traffic coming or going. So I just walked down the middle of the road. It was really quite a glorious morning, and my heart was full of praise to the Lord. I rounded a bend in the road, and I noticed a black dog lying about 300 feet ahead of me. He immediately lifted his head and stared at me. I kind of got an eerie feeling at that moment, but I kept moving forward. The dog quickly stood up facing me. I slowed some, but again forced myself to go forward as there were houses past him another hundred or so feet. Just then, two yellow dogs jumped onto the road from the tall grass and stood close to the black one. I saw a large stick lying nearby and picked it up, praying for the Lord to protect me. The weird thing is the dogs didn't snarl or growl. They just stood still and stared at me. No fur stood up on the back of them, and it just seemed weird. They were very intently staring at me. As I drew closer, I heard a noise behind me and turned to see another dog behind me on the road. As they all were looking directly at me, I wondered if they would actually attack me. At this point, I stopped walking and put my back to the grass on the right side, and I faced the four medium-sized dog now slowly closing in on me. I called Arnold on my cell phone. Praise the Lord. 
He heard it ring amongst all the machinery around him. He was about 10 minutes away, though, and he said he was coming. I knew I needed to keep walking, so I picked up a larger stick and yelled no to these Cambodian dogs who probably had never even heard that word. The four animals started closing in on me, and then a tan dog appeared out of nowhere to join them. I swung the stick to keep them at bay, kind of wildly, actually. And all of a sudden, a Cambodian man on a motorcycle came around the corner and saw my predicament. He slowed down. and placed himself between the dogs and me. This allowed me to walk further. However, the pack was still following at a distance. Then the kind stranger waved and left, probably thinking all was well. At this point, I was passing by about three little wooden houses on my left when I noticed the dogs jogging to catch up with me. Again, I turned to swing the branch and yelled, Stop! No! They kept coming, and I didn't know what to do as I walked backwards away from them. Again, I prayed for God to intervene. I'd never been fully surrounded like this or feeling trapped by dogs. Then all of a sudden, a teenage boy came out of the last house and he yelled something to the dogs in the local dialect. Instantly, they all dispersed, and a couple of them even laid down. I thanked him, Akuncharan, Akuncharan, and practically ran to meet our van as Arnold sped into view. As I climbed in, I realized I was still clutching the stick with white knuckles and finally released it. All over, I was just shaking. I have to say I've been extremely cautious around any unknown dog since that time. I do believe it was more than a random pack of canines seeking to scare me. These dogs were well-fed and seemed to almost be called together by an evil force intent on harming me. It reminded me of the scripture that tells us to watch and pray as the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8 Praise the Lord for how he provides and that he is a very present help in the time of trouble, as we're told in Nahum 1.7. I want to read a quote to you from the Acts of the Apostles, page 431. All who in that evil day would fearlessly serve God according to the dictates of conscience will need courage, firmness, and a knowledge of God and His Word. For those who are true to God will be persecuted, their motives will be impugned, their best efforts misinterpreted, and their names cast out as evil. Brothers and sisters, as we near the soon coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, No matter what's going on in your life, if you feel surrounded, caged in, and that no one is there, remember, Jesus is always close, and he is just a call away, and he will come and be there with you through it all. Stay faithful. Jesus is coming very, very soon. God bless you all.
The next story is a true example of how God can use not only Diana and Arnold in the mission field, but also the people that they minister to. They went to teach the people about God, and yet one Hindu woman taught them a lesson as well. This uh, one story I'm going to tell you about is called Special Samosas. When Arnold and I first launched as field directors, we went and lived in Kathmandu, Nepal. And we were there kind of preparing for a family to come in about a few months later. After a few miracles, we had found an apartment. It was actually the second story of a house to live in in Kathmandu. And our neighbors downstairs consisted of a 30-some-year-old couple with their preteen son. And then they had two nieces and a nephew that were university age living with them also. They lived there so that they could attend the local university. They all spoke really good English, which helped us. And then they taught us, of course, phrases and things to eat. One thing they warned us, though, do not eat at any place off the streets or a place that they have not okayed for us. They were quite protective and it was a very sweet gesture. And so we listened for the most part. One thing you should know about Nepal is that the water you are never to drink unless it is treated. So that allowed us to put a system in place in our little apartment or a second story flat at, to where we had to boil the water first, then filter it through a British Birkfield that had ceramic filters, and finally through a Brita charcoal filter before using it. And we had to use it for washing our veggies and fruits and drank it and cooked with it. That means we were usually doing a lot of water preparation and keeping quite a bit on hand. Now, the water came sporadically daily. Allotments of electricity also would happen. So we had to keep supplies of clean water. And um, you couldn't really even trust the bottled water too much because a lot of the tops were loosened. So it was probably just water that they had gotten out of the river or out of a tap somewhere, which wasn't healthy. Now, the matriarch of the family that lived downstairs, her name was Namrata, and she became my little sister. We enjoyed a different time together. She would teach me how to make momos, which are similar to steamed Chinese dumplings. And I listened to her childhood memories from Darjeeling, India. And we just enjoyed being friends together and really connected well. She was the one who really advised us to be very careful. We weren't used to the food there and we need to really be cautious on what we ate. So we did that for the most part. And if we did eat out, we would venture predominantly into a tourist area of Kathmandu. And then you could kind of just eat whatever because they had a different system down there. They were used to tourists and getting sick was a lot less. Anyways, most of the time we prepared food at home. But this one afternoon, Arnold had to go to a shop to pick up something. And he saw a street vendor selling vegetarian samosas. And they looked so freshly made. He just could not resist and had to buy six of them. He was so excited to try them for lunch, too. And we just reheated them with other food that we had. tasted amazing. And so we made this little mental note of this man who sold them so inexpensively. They were huge too. So, and just so you know, samosas are 
kind of deep fried on the outside, potato peas in the inside, really good. Not probably so healthy for you, but they really are so tasty. Later in the evening, my stomach started grumbling and I knew something wasn't right and took charcoal immediately. Within an hour of that first dose, I had vomited and had diarrhea twice. I kept trying to push charcoal into my system and drink water, but everything kept coming out. By morning, I was just exhausted. The thought of food was out of the question, and quite frankly, even drinking repulsed me, despite the rawness of my throat from vomiting. Arnold insisted I keep trying to stay hydrated, but everything that went in violently came out. This lasted for three long, draining days. I had lost all color in my face at this point. You couldn't even see the freckles that I have on my face. I could not eat and only sips of water would stay down. I was so weak and really just had a grayish death look on my face. Unfortunately, I had briefly seen some of the city's hospitals and clinics before this time, and I refused to go there because I knew I would only get worse in those unhygienic places. Arnold announced he was going to do something and went to a pharmacist to get Imodium AD or anything stronger than charcoal. I have to say, I really thought I, I might not even make it through as nothing was working and it had been days. I laid on the bed dozing off and on when I was awakened by a loud banging on the door. I heard Namrata's voice, my little sister out there, saying, let me in, Diane. I was too weak to yell, and I managed to move my shaking legs to the door to tell her I was just very ill. She said she knew and to let her in. I was so exhausted, I couldn't even argue. I unlocked the door and kind of wobbled back into the bedroom and fell on the bed. She and Gita, one of her nieces, came in with food, and I thought the last thing I need is food. Unfortunately, this concludes part one. Thank you for listening to Adventures Frontier Mission Story. Join us again for part two and find out how God helped her in her weakest moments.